welcome back to the Football Outsiders Fantasy Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Spratt, a writer for FootballOutsiders.com. It's the Friday leading into the Week 5 game, so we're going to be going through my favorite DFS plays for this weekend. But it's good that I waited until Friday morning to record this because we had some changes to the schedule last night with the Denver-New England game being postponed to midday Monday and then the Buffalo-Tennessee game being postponed to Tuesday as of now. That cuts down on the total of Sunday games to just 11, which makes the DFS slate a little bit harder to predict. I am going to still touch on a couple of players from those postponed games in case you're playing some other games, but by and large, we're going to focus on the Sunday slate, and in particular on that Giants-Cowboys matchup. Before I get to that, I want to share an exciting offer from Football Outsiders. Football Outsiders is the innovators of modern football analytics with proprietary metrics you know and love, like DVOA and DYAR, which are used by teams. And they're also great tools for fantasy players. Get the most out of your fantasy teams and DFS lineups with an FO Plus package. Become an outsider today with the promo code FANTASY25 and save 25% off site-wide. That's code FANTASY25, all caps, for 25% off site-wide for all of Football Outsiders tools and statistics. Okay, on the DFS side of things, I think the the Cowboys and Giants game is the most interesting on a number of levels. I think there's a lot of players that you can play in this one. That actually starts with Dak Prescott, who despite the success that he's had this season, I, I see as a relative value this week, $900 surplus in DraftKings, $800 surplus in FanDuel. The major part of this is that he's at home, uh, where he's actually had 3.3 more fantasy points per game scored at home than on the road since 2017. That's the fifth most at the position. So you like that. The real question with Prescott has is, is really been game script related issues. So he's put up absurd numbers of pass totals over the last three weeks in particular. And it's had to do with the fact that he's fallen behind heavily in these games. I think he's trailed by at least 15 in three straight games. W- one thing I'll point out about the way our projections work is that we use DVOA to measure relative team quality. And when teams have a shortfall of DVOA against their opponent, they tend to pass the ball more because they tend to fall behind in games and need a pass in the second half to catch up. And when they're playing inferior opponents, they tend to run more, in particular in the second half. And so I point that out because that's actually meshed up well with the way at least two of the games have proceeded from a game script perspective. You have both the Seahawks and Browns, who are 6th and 12th in DVOA respectively, that pulled ahead of the 16th-ranked Cowboys in DVOA. And this is particularly an important concern because the Giants are just 32nd in DVOA, last place. And so as such, we're seeing Prescott's projected total of pass plays fall to, air quotes here, just 39.4 projected pass attempts. He's far and away has the most pass attempts in football this season, but that's just the third highest projected total of the week. So I'm pointing all of this out to say that Prescott is in my top five as a true talent quarterback, but isn't a slam dunk number one quarterback in a typical week. But he still is this week because the Giants are a team that's just a good matchup for quarterbacks. Uh, They increase passing touchdowns per attempt by 7%. They decrease passing interceptions per attempt by 43%. So you get the home boost. You get the matchup boost. Just don't expect Prescott to throw the ball 50 times like he's done the last few weeks, and I think you'll be okay. He's still a good DFS matchup, but you maybe shouldn't read that in the wrong way. On the other side of the field, Daniel Jones obviously has been a poor fantasy performer so far this season, but he's actually my number one quarterback value relative to cost this week on the DFS platforms. $1,400 surplus in DraftKings, $1,100 surplus in FanDuel. He's on the road, but does get the bump from being in the dome, which is better than being at home and outdoors, typically speaking for quarterbacks. 
But this is really a big schedule-related difference here. So far this season, the Giants have faced the Steelers, Bears, 49ers, and Rams, four very difficult opponents, actually all four in the top eight of DVOA pass defense. The Cowboys are just 25th in DVOA pass defense. And speaking of those game script-related issues, too, if, if the Cowboys are able to pull ahead, that's just going to lead to more attempts and likely more fantasy production uh, for Jones in this matchup. So the, the Cowboys... Yeah, they've uh, increased their opponent's run plays by 23%. That's the second most in football. Not a surprise given the game scripts they've had, but they they haven't affected pass plays for their opponents either. A slight bump of 1% there. Meanwhile, the Cowboys boost passing yards per attempt by 10%. That's fifth most in football. And passing touchdowns per attempt by 89%. That's the most in football. And then maybe most importantly from Jones's perspective, a big sack taker and fumbler. The Cowboys are a top 10 reducer of passing fumbles per attempt. So all of this is to say that this could this game could really be a shootout, even if the passing plays aren't quite what they were before. A very good matchup for a lot of fantasy players. I'll also touch that Ezekiel Elliott, I see as a little bit of a surplus on the DraftKings side of things. $800 surplus there, not a surplus in FanDuel. He's actually seen a lot of receiving work this season, 15.7% target share. That's fourth highest at the position, just behind Alvin Kamara, Aaron Jones, and Mike Davis. That puts him on pace for a 120-target passing season. He's had 30 so far this season. I don't think that's sustainable. Again, this is something that's probably influenced by the total number of pass plays that the team has had so far this season. But that 15.7% target share is up noticeably from last year's 12.5%, and that netted Elliott 71 targets on the season. So in any kind of format, be that DFS or, or traditional leagues where he's getting PPR credits, this has been a very productive fantasy season. And, and at least from a, a rate perspective, I expect that to continue. Sticking with the Cowboys, uh, Amari Cooper, number one receiver. Again, a player that's I think is a DFS surplus, specifically in DraftKings at $700, whereas close to neutral in FanDuel. He's the team's wide receiver one, obviously. And I think we expected... With the introduction of CeeDee Lamb and actually, frankly, seeing Dalton Schultz become a fantasy-relevant factor, that this was probably going to cut into Cooper's target share. But that hasn't been the case. He's at a 25.9% target share this season. That's the eighth among all wide receivers. Last season, he was actually just at 20.7%, much lower. And so it's really been Michael Gallup that's been the receiver that's been hurt the most by the improved weapons for the Cowboys. He's dropped from a 19.4% target share last season to just 12.2% this season. And frankly, I'm not sure that's going to change because I just think CeeDee Lamb is that talented of a player. I think he's just, I mean, it's not exactly a depth chart change, but I think Lamb is probably going to get more targets than Gallup going forward. But I don't expect that to inhibit Cooper's fantasy success, which is a good thing this week because the Giants are a top six booster of wide receiver one receiving touchdowns per target. On the Giants side of things, Darius Slayton, I see as a nice value on both platforms, $900 surplus at $4,800 in DraftKings, $600 surplus at $5,800 in FanDuel. He's out and out a deep receiver, somebody that you really probably should play the matchups with for the benefits. Obviously, it hasn't been a tremendous start to the season with you know, the difficult defenses they've faced, but the Cowboys are a good defense to face for deep receivers. They boost receiving yards per target for deep receivers by 61% in touchdowns per target for deep receivers by 94%. Both of those are top seven in football right now. And then one last player here I'll mention, Evan Ingram for the Giants, $500 surplus in, in DraftKings, $250 surplus in FanDuel. 
Ingram hasn't had much fantasy success so far this season either, but he has a 21.1% target share. That's the third highest at the position behind just Darren Waller and Travis Kelsey. And maybe you can consider that to be a little bit of a, a boosted stat, given that guys like George Kittle haven't played all, all the games so far this season. But the point is that Ingram has a target share that supports him returning to being a top five tight end in fantasy, and the production just hasn't been there. And again, I think this is just schedule related. I mentioned those opponents, the Steelers, Bears, 49ers, and Rams, as good pass defenses overall, but they're all top 14 DVOA defenses against tight ends specifically as well. The Steelers in particular being eighth and 49ers being first at, at preventing that, that position from getting their, their efficiency per touch. Meanwhile, the Cowboys are 22nd in DVOA against tight ends. So this potentially could be a little bit of a breakout game here for Ingram. And in particular, I see a 26% boost the Cowboys offer for tight ends. So Ingram may uh, score a touchdown this week and get off to hopefully a, a better fantasy um, for the remaining of the season. Okay, from there, I'm just going to go through some of my favorite position-by-position options for you in DFS. Uh, I'll start with Russell Wilson. I think this is the first time this season that I've seen him as a value in the DFS platforms. $300 surplus in DraftKings, $600 at FanDuel. I think part of that is probably just the projections catching up uh, to the Seahawks having a more pass-heavy approach to the the game. Last season, they had 32.3 pass attempts per game. This season, they're at 34.3, so two more per game. And that comes despite the fact that the Seahawks have led in all of their games, which produces a game script that favors the run over the pass. So I think that's even more encouraging when the Seahawks play their opponents that are a little bit more evenly matched when Russell Wilson may have to actually pass more throughout the entire game. That probably won't be this week. They're playing the Vikings, but the Vikings are a good opponent regardless of fantasy perspective because they're just the number two booster of passing yards per attempt at 20%. And more importantly, uh, Wilson actually has a pretty extreme home road split, 3.4 more fantasy points per game at home than on the road since 2017. That's top five at the position, similar to Prescott, even though he doesn't have the home dome to get that benefit himself. But speaking of home domes, Deshaun Watson at home in the dome in Houston, a $600 surplus in DraftKings, $900 surplus in FanDuel. I talked about this a little bit last week when he was returning home. I thought that was going to be a big boon for his fantasy value. And he almost had a three-touchdown game. Will Fuller had a touchdown in the end zone to, to tie the game at the end. that was overturned on review, saying that he didn't catch the ball. But this week, I think he'll have a probably easier time of things. He's at home against the Jaguars, who are they're a top six booster of completion percentage, passing yards per attempt, and passing touchdowns per attempt for quarterbacks. And they're the second um, biggest cutter of passing fumbles per attempt probably good news for Watson given that their offensive line there in Houston is still struggling. Meanwhile, Watson himself, 2.2 more fantasy points per game at home than on the road since 2017, which is his full career. So a situation where he may not be quite the same extreme as a Dak Prescott, but somebody that does a lot better at home than on the road. I'm not too worried about the fact that they're changing coaches. I think that Watson is going to be good this week. Digging a little bit deeper, Teddy Bridgewater, a $500 surplus in both DraftKings and FanDuel. This one's probably a little bit of a no-brainer playing against the Falcons. Yes, on the road, but in the Dome. The Falcons are a great opponent for their opposing quarterbacks and all of the receivers that those quarterbacks throw to, something I'll touch on a little bit later. But for quarterbacks specifically, the Falcons boost pass plays by 4%. That's the fifth most in football. Passing yards per attempt by 10%, fifth most in football. And passing touchdowns per attempt by 61%. That's the third most in football. So start Bridgewater and your Panthers. 
And then the last quarterback I'll mention is Gardner Minshew. Uh, I mentioned that he's in that Houston matchup in Houston, so you get the dome boost there. Minshew has actually had a reverse, reverse home road split, unusual for quarterbacks. Maybe that's sample size related, but maybe that also gives you a little bit more uh, encouragement that he can handle this road matchup. Meanwhile, the Texans boost passing touchdowns per attempt by 18% and cut passing interceptions per attempt by 95%. That's the biggest cut in football there on the latter one. So I think Minshew is a good kind of a deeper play, maybe for a tournament type setting. In running back, I hate to be a little bit of a broken record, but Jarek McKinnon and Mike Davis are standout values to me. Uh, the first with McKinnon I see is more than a $2,000 surplus, but that's assuming specifically that Raheem Mostert doesn't play. And he did return to a limited practice as of Wednesday, so there's a chance he will. Definitely check the news before you put um, McKinnon in your lineups. But while Mostert has been out the last two weeks, McKinnon has a 50.9% carry share that's 21st in, among running backs and a 15.8% target share that's ninth most. So he, he's really kind of operating like a top 15 type of running back. And I actually see him as a little bit more valuable than that this week at home against the Dolphins. The Dolphins improve yards per carry by 5% and touchdowns per carry by 86%, that latter number being a top five in football. And they're also a top five booster of completion percentage, yards per target, and receiving touchdowns per target for running backs right now. So a lot of factors that kind of boost McKinnon's value. Frankly, my only concern for this matchup would be that if the 49ers pulled ahead too much, they might rely a little bit more on Jeff Wilson to salt the game away in the second half. But if that happens, McKinnon probably already scored. So I think that he's probably fine for you in fantasy. Uh, for Mike Davis, it's actually even a little bit of a safer play. I see him a little bit less as a surplus, but it's $1,700 surplus in DraftKings and 1300 in FanDuel. Still a tremendous value. Still somebody I'm going to have in a lot of my lineups this week. I mentioned the Atlanta Falcons matchup. That's particularly good for a receiving back, which Davis has been big doing. They improve receiving yards per target by 7% and touchdowns per target by 126% for running backs, 13th and third most in football. And it's been kind of a similar story with Davis than it's been for McKinnon over the last couple of weeks. 51.8% target share is 20th at the position. 23.4% target share is second at the position behind just Alvin Kamara. And Davis is really has nobody threatening his workload right now. Reggie Bonifon came in last week to get a little bit of, of relief work for him, but he ended up going on injured reserve with a high ankle sprain. So I think the number two back for the Panthers this week is going to be Rodney Smith, an undrafted rookie that they actually cut in the preseason and just re-signed off the street because of the injuries they've been suffering at the position. So it's probably going to be a Davis-heavy workload this week. And the fact that he's been such a, a contributor as a receiver, I think, gives him a little bit of safety in the event that the Falcons pull ahead in this game playing at home. So definitely happy with Davis. I think he's a safe option and a top 10 option for you in your traditional leagues as well. Next up, we have a player that's on that Monday night move, as mentioned, Damian Harris running back for the New England Patriots. A little bit of a surplus value in DraftKings, $300 at 4300 but see him as a big surplus of $1,200 at $4,500 price on FanDuel. It's not necessarily a great matchup against Denver. Um, they actually cut yards per carry by 10% and cut touchdowns per carry by uh, almost 80%. So you don't love that in particular for Harris, who didn't even see a target last week. But the Broncos do increase their opponent's run plays by 10%. And whether or not Cam Newton plays could be a factor, but the Patriots could be a team that pulls ahead of the rookie quarterback, Brett Rippon. So I think that's potentially a good game script boost. And then more importantly for Harris, it's just like a seamless takeover of Sony Michelle's workload that I'm not sure that the DFS platforms have quite caught up 
to what his value would be in that role. He had a 48.6% carry share last week. Um, and frankly, longer term, this could actually be a player that remains valuable for you, both in DFS and in traditional formats, because Michelle had negative 2.7% and negative 6.4% rushing DVOA the last two seasons. Harris might just simply be a better player. And Harris is also somebody that was a pretty effective receiver in college. Not that Michelle wasn't, but we have now a couple of years of evidence that Michelle is not catching passes in the NFL. And I think Harris still has some hope that he could be a little bit more versatile of a player, something that would be a big boost for his fantasy prospects. Next up, we have Clyde Edwards-Hilaire running back for the Chiefs. Uh, big surplus value in particular in DraftKings 2000, $1,200 surplus in FanDuel. This is, a, I think, a big d- disagreement based on perception versus how we calculate our projections at Football Outsiders. So we rely heavily on opportunity-adjusted rushing touchdowns to project future touchdowns. And by that metric, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire has been one of the unluckiest running backs to have just one rushing touchdown so far this season. He's actually taken six carries inside the five-yard line and three more carries between the six and ten-yard lines and, again, just scored one time. In all, he has 4.1 opportunity-adjusted rushing touchdowns, and the 3.1 touchdown shortfall is by far the biggest at the position. That may seem like something that's a skill-related issue, but based on Mike Clay, the originator of that statistics research and my research, it's really more of a luck-related issue than a skill-related issue. So I I can only imagine that Edwards Lair is going to end up scoring a good number of touchdowns this season. The Chiefs just lead to so many of those inside-the-10-yard line carries with their efficient offense. And this is probably a good week for it to happen. He's playing at home, playing against the Las Vegas Raiders. They boost rushing yards per carry by 25% and touchdowns per carry by 146%. They actually passed the Panthers, uh, who I'll I'll touch on in a a bit as well. But it's a really nice matchup here. And it's a player that I think is just generally undervalued because of some bad touchdown luck so far this season. Speaking of the Raiders, Josh Jacobs, a little bit of a value in DraftKings, $700 surplus. He's shockingly way less expensive there, $6,300 versus $8,200 in FanDuel, where I see him as a, as a overpriced player. But a DraftKings could be a really nice matchup. Again, that Kansas City on the road could be tough for the, for the Raiders to keep up, so maybe not a great game script-related game. But for, for a team that tends to pull ahead that way, they have a huge discrepancy between the quality of their pass defense and run defense. They have the number one DVOA pass defense, but the number 27 DVOA run defense this season. So their opponents have tended to try to run the ball heavily as a way to take advantage of a defensive weakness, which has led to a 10% bump in their opponents' rushing plays per game. So even though the game script may not favor the Raiders, I think it may be the case that Jacob still gets a lot of work as a runner. Meanwhile, Jacobs also has 13 receptions this season, putting him on a full season pace for 52. That's way up from his 20 receptions all of last season. And so I think that makes him a little bit less sensitive to game script than some other running backs would be, and probably less sensitive than DraftKings price suggests that he would be. So I would say, again, take advantage of this player who may be a top five overall fantasy running back right now. Uh, eventually his, his DFS prices will catch up to that, but I, I just don't think that is quite the case yet in DraftKings. I mentioned earlier about the Carolina run defense. I highlight Todd Gurley running back for the Atlanta Falcons playing them this week. He's a $400 surplus in DraftKings and $350 surplus in FanDuel. The Panthers aren't the number one booster of rushing touchdowns per attempt, but I have them still pretty high at 143% boost. Also a big booster of yards per carry, 8%. That's top 10 in football. 
So the Panthers didn't actually allow a rushing touchdown last week to Kenyon Drake or to anybody on the Cardinals. That's the first time the team hasn't done so since week three of last season. Um, I'm tempted to say it's just like a random occurrence, but one thing that could be a relevant factor here is that defensive tackle, former Pro Bowler K1 Short, returned to the lineup. He hadn't played since the first few weeks of last season, so he's been out during that entire stretch when they've been giving up all those rushing touchdowns. Um, but also, the, I'll mention that the Cardinals are a bottom 10 team in run blocking based on their 3.93 adjusted line yards. And they're also a team that seems to rely a little bit more heavily on Kyler Murray in the pass when they get to the red zone. So I think this is probably a situation where the Falcons are just a better team to take advantage of this big weakness for the Panthers. Todd Gurley has four rushing touchdowns already this year and 3.7 opportunity adjusted rushing touchdowns. That's about three times Kenyon Drake's total for the season. So I trust that that uh, Gurley is probably somebody that has a good chance to score this week against the Panthers. But if that doesn't happen, then I may reassess uh, how bad I think the Panthers' pa- uh, run-blocking line really is. Um, run-stopping line, rather. Okay, one more running back to touch on, Antonio Gibson. I see him as a $1,000 surplus in both DraftKings and FanDuel. He's at home against the LA Rams, not necessarily a great running back matchup. Um, They're a bit of a booster of yards per carry, but about a 30% cutter of touchdowns per carry for running backs. So this is really more a situation where I just think that the Gibson is probably going to be getting a little bit more work than the platform suggests he will. He has a 42.7% carry share that's 24th at the position this season and an 8.4% target share that's 34th at the position this season. And this is really more subjective than it is uh, objective stats based, but I think that they could see, uh, the Washington could really see a boost in all of their skill positions fantasy production with the transition from Dwayne Haskins to Kyle Allen at quarterback. Uh, Allen has not had a successful pro career to date, but last season playing for the Panthers was really in a bad spot with bad pass protection, was one of the leaders in sack rate, and the team was one of the leaders in adjusted sack rate. I just think Allen looks to me like a player that can make all the throws, and I think he's going to be better than Haskins was, uh, at least while he has the job, if he can keep it. And so I'm, I'm bullish on Gibson in this matchup and bullish on some of the other Washington players, uh, despite the difficult opponent. Okay, shifting over to talk about some wide receivers, starting with DeAndre Hopkins. It's weird. He's been a bit of a value all season, I feel like, in DraftKings. It's 700 again this week at just $7,900. He is not a big value in, uh, in FanDuel where he's a negative $900 surplus. But 34.3% target share is second at the position behind only Keenan Allen. I know the Cardinals' uh, offense has struggled a little bit the last two weeks, but I'm not concerned. I think Hopkins' target share suggests he's every bit what he was last season, a clear top three wide receiver in, in fantasy football. Good volume of DraftKings. Uh, and DK Metcalf. DK Metcalf on the other side of things, I think is particularly valuable in FanDuel this week. $750 surplus at $6,700 price tag. Closer to neutral at a $100 surplus in DraftKings. I have a little unsure whether I would consider Metcalf to be the Seahawks' number one receiver or a deep receiver. Either way, it's a really great matchup here against the Vikings. Uh, For number one receivers, they boost yards per target by 32% and touchdowns per target by 109%. And for deep receivers, they increase them by 99% and 183%. All of those numbers are top seven in football. So however you slice it, I think Metcalf gets a big boost in value here. Metcalf's also pretty close to being just a kind of an every week start for me in traditional formats. So I wouldn't necessarily worry too much about the matchup. Few people can probably defend him. Uh, for the Panthers, Robbie Anderson, a $400 surplus in both DraftKings and FanDuel. There, his prices there have slowly started to catch up to his value. But I think this week against the Falcons, it's just a really good matchup. 
First, I'll mention that he has a 25.4% target share that's ninth highest at the position. So getting a workload like a number one receiver, actually so it was DJ Moore, but Anderson's been a little bit more effective in fantasy so far with the touchdowns. Uh, but the Falcons are just a great matchup all around. They boost pass plays by 4%, top five in football. And for wide receiver ones and twos, they increase uh, yards per target by 10% and 20%, both top eight in football. And also for deep receivers by 21%. And that kind of is... Uh, I would say Anderson's specialty more than anything else. So however you slice it for him, I think it's a great matchup. Justin Jefferson, rookie wide receiver for the Minnesota Vikings. A bit of a surplus in DraftKings at $200, but a bigger one in FanDuel at $600. Uh, he's really seen his target share boost over the last couple of weeks. He's at 29.8% over the last two weeks, which is fourth highest in football. And in that time, his snap share has increased from 69% and 54% the first two weeks to 78% and 77% while teammate B.C. Johnson has fallen off from 63 and 78% the first two weeks to just 8% and 17%. So I don't see this big increase in target share as a short-term kind of blip. This has really been a, a sort of a role grabbing. He's ascended into the starting lineup where I think he'll have a lot of success against the Seahawks this week, who won't have Jamal Adams. Uh, they, they boost pass plays by 5%, top three in football. And for wide receiver twos, they boost completion percentage, yards per target, and touchdowns per target, all top 14 in football. So I think it's another nice matchup for Jefferson. Wouldn't be surprised at all to see him grab another 100-yard receiving day. Uh, another player that's not playing on Sunday, Tim Patrick, part of the Broncos game that moved to Monday. Uh, I still see him as a good value in DraftKings and FanDuel, $900 surplus in the former, $800 in the latter. With some of the injuries the Broncos have suffered, he's had a 16.7% target share the last two weeks. That's 42nd at the position. So not necessarily a top type of play for a traditional format, but he's very inexpensive in both DraftKings and FanDuel, which could make him a good value this week. KJ Hamler and Noah Fant are already ruled out for this game. And then on the other side with the, the Patriots, Stephon Gilmore tested positive for COVID on Wednesday, so he may not play either. And while the Patriots have a lot of depth at, wide, um, at their cornerback position, it may be a situation where that kind of shifts all the players up a little bit, where Patrick is, is sort of a secondary option for the Broncos, could become a little bit of a value. This may be more of a tournament play as well. I'm not sure I would put him in my lineups unless I needed to save money on the back end of things, but somebody that I thought was kind of worth mentioning. And then digging even deeper, Olamide Zacchaeus of the Falcons, this is kind of dependent on whether or not Julio Jones is able to play. But with Jones more or less missing the last two games, Zacchaeus has had a 19.5% target share. So pretty high there, higher than Tim Patrick even. And given that my projection is that Jones will miss, that puts Zacchaeus as more than a $1,000 surplus in both formats. He's a minimum price player in DraftKings at just $3,000, so he's particularly valuable there. Uh, but the Panthers, not to be fully outdone by the Falcons as a defense, uh, they boost wide receiver two touchdowns per target by 69%, top six in football. So Zacchaeus could, could definitely score a touchdown um, and have some good numbers for a Falcons team that has to rely on the pass and could targets a KS a lot with, with Jones potentially missing. Okay, we'll close this up with some tight end discussion, starting with Eric Ebron of the Steelers, $550 surplus in DraftKings, $350 in FanDuel. He's at home against the Eagles, who for my money is probably the best matchup for tight ends to face right now. They allowed three tight end uh, touchdowns to Tyler Higby in week two. Last week, they allowed George Kittle to go off for 15 catches, 183 yards, and a touchdown. So obviously very good. Um, I have their overall rate boosting as 
32% for completion percentage, 31% for yards per target, and 186% for touchdowns per target for tight ends, all top four in football. And so that all bodes well for Ebron, in particular as a touchdown scorer, which is kind of his, his, his bag in general. But he does also have a pretty decent 13.1% target share that's 19th the position so far this season. Uh, the fact that they didn't play a game last week, I think, has kept him a little bit off of radars. But Ebron could easily have a really big game this week. I have him as a back-end tight end one. So great value in, in both your traditional and uh, your DFS lineups. Digging a little deeper, Darren Fells, tight end of the Houston Texans. This play is dependent on Jordan Aiken's availability. He suffered a concussion last week, uh, but I expect him to miss the game because of that. But check on the practice reports today and just check on the, the you know his availability leading up to the game on Sunday. But if he's the only guy out there, then I think that's going to boost his his target share. Plus, he draws the Jaguars, which are a good tight end matchup as well. A top eight booster of completion percentage, yards per target, and yard, uh, touchdowns per target for tight ends. So good matchup there. And then for the last one, a little bit deeper even than that, Richard Rodgers, tight end of the Philadelphia Eagles. Not a good matchup here against the Steelers, but I see him as a $1,000 surplus in DraftKings at the minimum price of $2,500. And this is really more just an Eagles-related take. So over the last two seasons, the Eagles have been the number one user of two tight end formations. Um, And Rodgers, kind of following that up with Dallas Goddard out, uh, played 35% of offensive snaps last week and saw four targets. So Rodgers is somebody that's completely off of most radars, but... It's possible that he'll end up getting used like a tight end two in fantasy this season, even though he's the second tight end behind a top five tight end and, and Zach Ertz on the Eagles specifically. So maybe not somebody that I necessarily want to throw into my lineups, except maybe as a deeper tournament play this week in DFS, but worth watching how much he plays this week. And if he gets a good number of targets against the Steelers, I think that could bode well for his fantasy value going forward. Okay, that's going to do it for this week's episodes of the Football Outsiders Fantasy Podcast. Thanks so much for listening, and I hope you subscribe, rate, and review us on your favorite podcast platforms. Meanwhile, come back next Tuesday morning to hear all of my week six waiver wire recommendations. Thanks so much, and I'll talk to you then. (laughs) 